And good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. Joining me right now, Jake and Heather Kim. They're founders of Life Restoration Ministries. They've been involved in ministry for more than 20 years. Jake also hosts the Rescue the Glory podcast with Dr. Bob Shooks. Uh, Heather is the author of Abide, Pathways to Transformative Healing and Intimacy with Jesus. They live in British Columbia with their three children, and you can visit them at liferestoration.ca. We'll have that linked at our site as well. So I hear British Columbia is God's country. <laughs> that sure you is. You are not lying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've never been there. Um, but we had a, a fellow who we worked closely with back in 19, uh, well, around 2000, who was from there, and he just kept drilling that into me. Yes. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Mm, Mountains so. and ocean, yeah. it's all in one place. Yeah, yeah, it truly is. Is that where you grew up? I did. You yeah, grew up I, there. I did. Yeah, okay. that's my home. I my family lives there. My parents, my brother and sister. But Jake is from kind of the Tennessee, Alabama area. Oh, okay. So, yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Huh? Yeah, we we met wow. in, at Franciscan University. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, how, how'd you meet? Well, we. Go ahead. Yeah, we met outside of the chapel one day, and I thought, who's that cute boy? <laughs> Very good <laughs> But, question. you know, he was dating somebody else at the time, so we had a few <laughs> things to work through. But we both were studying theology and catechetics and okay. just had, yeah, a lot of similar interests, although coming from very different backgrounds. And I think one of the things that we shared was just a passion for for God and growing mm. in our relationship with him. And that kind of drew yeah. us into these long yeah. conversations, you know, at a at a diner, you know, into the wee hours. And That's um, great. Yeah. Yeah, That's so. great stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, who was uh, was um, Barbara Morgan doing catechetics back then? Oh, yeah, she that was. is a yeah. wonderful name to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah she's tremendous. Oh, I've passed on now, yeah. but she's yes. a great, great person from Ann Arbor. Yes. And so we, my wife uh, studied under Barbara for a while here in Ann Arbor. Oh. So. Yeah, she was so wonderful. Just, connected. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She was just a delight. She was, a, a, we say regularly, a Franciscan, particularly Barbara Morgan and Sister Johanna Perouche, who are still yes, there. Yes, I know her too. Yeah. yeah. They, they had such a powerful part of our formation and who we became. Yeah. And I, uh, very fond memories of Barbara Morgan. So yeah, and yeah. Nick Nick Tom, yes. who we all know, played uh, football with him on the intramurals. <laughs> we, we won a lot of games together, me and Nick. So it was great. Yeah. Well, Nick introduced me to uh, Sister Johanna way back. Um, let me let me just throw something out that is worth sharing with you. When I first came to work in Catholic uh, media, hmm. and uh, I was came out of evangelical Protestantism, so I was. Catholic culture is a little different, and so you're trying to get a feel mm-hmm. for how things work. And I can remember back when I first started uh, developing what we now call Ave Maria Radio. When I was introduced to somebody who was a DRE, I anticipated talking to someone who really was not committed to the teaching of the church. They were good, decent people. Don't, don't get me wrong. Uh, but they, they, they had, they didn't have a, they didn't sense that there was no, that they didn't sense that the teaching of the church was really true. Mm. Uh, and there was, I mean, I talked to one woman who was wasn't quite convinced of the divinity of Jesus. You know, mm. <laughs> it's, okay. that's entirely different today. Mm. And I suspect it has a lot to do with what uh, uh, Barbara Morgan and Sister yeah. Johanna have done at Steubenville. Because I I meet a DRE today, and mm-hmm. I assume just the opposite. Mm. I assume that I'm meeting somebody who's really committed to the faith, mm-hmm. and is self consciously on uh, self consciously on mission. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, and that wasn't that just wasn't true 25, 30 years ago. Yeah, you know, they definitely so. formed us to understand that it is, it is a privilege to be teaching the faith. Mm-hmm. That that's yeah. something we need to take seriously uh, by the way that we live our lives, the things we yeah. teach that it, it takes a personal commitment from us to yeah. the faith and to Jesus uh, before we can stand in front of people and try to bring them, you know, any kind of understanding of who God is. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it was a tremendous experience of formation that we received there, one that we're both really grateful for. Yeah. Well, t- let's talk to a little bit about the, how you started uh, Life Restoration Ministries. What, 
what uh, leads you to, you know, decide that you, this is what the Lord is calling you to do? Yeah, well, Jake and I came from, you know, two totally different backgrounds, as we mentioned. Uh, but really what was happening is that God was breaking through in, in places of darkness in our own lives and in our own stories all along the way until we, we met each other. And and even following our, our meeting, there was things that came up in our lives that we mm. really needed to experience the healing a miraculous power of God to restore things that yeah. we thought were going to be the end of us or the end of our marriage. And, mm-hmm. and I think many people struggle in these areas. Mm-hmm. You know, we all have places of brokenness and darkness and uh, where we need a savior. And thank yeah. God we have one yeah. <laughs> that yeah. Jesus really is. And so it led us into a position where we really were crying out to God in need of him to come in and, and heal us and restore us here on this side of heaven. And that's what we experienced was just mm-hmm. the miraculous healing restorative power of Jesus in a very tangible way in our life. And that experience just prompted us to, I mean, I think we looked at each other one day with our jaws dropped open and said, God really wants to set us free here yeah. on this side of heaven. And he can, and and we don't have to wait for heaven for everything to occur. And we can be really good at carrying our crosses, but sometimes we're not experiencing mm-hmm. the resurrection here on this side of heaven. And that's something that as we experienced it personally, we wanted to share that with yeah, people. Yeah. And that was the impetus of starting our ministry. That's, uh, and that's wonderful. I, eternal life is begins now. Uh, and I think that Amen. that's not something that uh, every Catholic knows. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. they, it, it's, it's uh, again, it's always difficult to know because we're all different places along our path coming into union with Christ. But, uh, the 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 idea that I've got to wait for heaven mm-hmm. for the big thing to happen mm-hmm. it kind of misses the point. The big thing has happened. It's called the incarnation. Amen. That's right. You know, and Jesus inaugurated the kingdom, and the kingdom is now, and it's yes. still to come in its fullness. Yes. But you can taste the powers of the age to come yes. even now. Mm-hmm. And and so uh, so that's a major issue for you. You. Yes. Um, you were committed Catholics, though, already before yeah. you had into trouble. Right. That's right. right. Well, I that's mean, kind of the – I think one of the points is that you can walk and live in your faith and still have a lot going on under the surface. Yep. And addressing the stuff that's under the surface was a critical part for us really experiencing what Jesus was all about. You know, the, the scripture in Matthew about the outside of the cup and the inside of the cup. The outside of, I'll speak for myself, the outside of my cup was pretty clean. I'm Franciscan graduate. I'm working at a church, et cetera. <laughs> yeah. The inside of my cup was was not pretty. There yeah. was a lot of stuff going on that I needed to actually have the gospel get inside, yeah. not just something I did on the outside. Yeah. And, um, I mean, if I'm honest, I didn't actually know if the inside could be changed and truly transformed. I wasn't sure if the gospel could do what it alleged to do or what Jesus said he could do. Yeah. And we sit here today as real living examples that Jesus really is the answer to every human dilemma. And that's not just a cliche, and right. that's not just a nice thing to say, or you, you heard that in some talk show, or you heard it yeah. on some, read it in some encyclical. No, we've literally experienced it. And so, I mean, I think about all the time, the places that I was driving in a car or sitting in a church or at home and having the questions come up in my heart and in my life, like, is this the best best path? Like, does Jesus actually do what he says to do? And it's real at this point. And you know it when you suffer. When you experience suffering, those when those questions really start to arise. And you is salvation real? And is it something I just have to endure? And Heather has this beautiful way of articulating it that a lot of people think Christianity is taking up your cross and walking in circles until you roll over dead, and then you go to heaven, hopefully, right? And that is, that's not Christianity. That's a great illustration. Yeah. It's taking up your cross and walking somewhere. And where are you walking? That's the hard part. You're walking to a place where things in you need to die and things need to be changed. But the gospel promises new life. That's, we're following a risen person a risen Savior. And he says, come and follow me. So we do. We take up our cross. But that's not the end of the story. Most people are looking for the detours. That's where nobody likes construction detours. But that's the one everybody hopes we can find (laughs) is a detour around Calvary. But if we're willing to walk through that, if we're willing to go through Calvary, new life can happen. And that is really our story is, is one of real transformation and new life. And it continues. It's not like a one and done. 
you know, oh, something dramatic or something wonderful happens. But we're still on the journey. Yeah. We're still growing. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, so a few, th- a few things strike me here. One is this, again, the idea that uh, Jesus' promises, you know, might be true, of course, but I'm not going to see the fulfillment of them in any significant way until I'm dead. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is, um, yes, I'm I'm moving around. I, I, I say I'm carrying my cross, but I'm actually taking a detour around Calvary. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> we all want to avoid suffering, so it doesn't surprise me that yeah. we do that. Yes. Um, what... What I'm afraid of when suffering comes my way is, uh, well, first of all, if I can't avoid it, uh, it, am I confident it can be fruitful? Yes. Or is it just going to tear me apart? And um, and I think that that's not unusual. I think Mm -hmm. people feel that way. And yet, uh, you you bear witness to the, the truth. That by taking up your cross, in fact, you can experience resurrection in this in this life. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Al, you said something that I think that's that's a critical point for us and for me in our story. You said, "I'm worried that my suffering will tear me apart," and I think what the reality is is that's true. But what will it tear apart? And the what what it will tear apart, I think, is the false self. Paul calls it the old man. It's the version of us that's adapted and twisted up and learned how to do life apart from God. And that's the part that does, you know, it's a dramatic scene, but to be torn apart, that's the part that Jesus says needs to die. And why does it need to die? Because that's not where life is found. That's not easy. And I think that's where everybody gets nervous because we've learned throughout life, well, maybe people aren't reliable through various experiences. Sure. Maybe somebody won't love me. Maybe the, the positive experience won't come through. Maybe the paycheck won't happen. And all of that, and then we start doing life our own way. And and that version is a false self, an old man. That's what Paul talks about. It's not me that sins, it's the sin in me. Well, all that stuff's got to get addressed. All that stuff needs to be torn apart. Yeah. That's why they call Jesus the divine physician. Yeah. He's yeah. cutting through things and getting into things so as to heal them. And just imagine for a second that that could actually occur in your life. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, maybe it's worth it, right? You can't endure a how without a why. So come back. We'll pick, that, pick up on that again. And this, this idea of we are kind of the old self, the old man is something we've constructed to avoid uh, God in some way. I'm talking with uh, Jake and Heather Kim. Uh, Heather's the author of Abide, A Pathway to Transformative Healing and Intimacy with Jesus. Together, they form Life Restoration Ministries. I'm Al Creston. Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. With me, Jake and Heather Kim. They are founders of Life Restoration Ministries, and we've been talking about how to live um, the life of the kingdom uh, now, uh, not having to postpone uh, our experience of the kingdom until death uh, and, and heaven, but also talking about the problem we have of believing the promises of God, trusting that Jesus... It's easy to say we know Jesus is who he says he is because Eventually in heaven we're going to know this. Mm. But now is the question. Mm. Can he do what he promises to do now? Mm-hmm. And um, let's, let's, uh, let's talk about one problem that I've, gone, I've had and lots of others have mm. it too, and that is you pray, and we know we ought to pray, and we do pray. But we talk to God. We're not always confident he's talking to us, though. Mm-hmm. How do you discern the voice of God? Um, I mean, I, there's also the voice of the enemy, yeah, you, sure. you know, and, and that sometimes the, the enemy can present, uh, try to seduce you, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it's the voice of God. So p- people are concerned. How, how, yeah. Can I really know? that God is communicating with me. Mm -hmm. Where do you start with that? Yeah, I mean, I think 
you know, to, to begin with is just knowing that God wants us to know him. Mm-hmm. He really does. And yeah. it talks about that all throughout Scripture. Jesus said, you know, and in, in, even in the Old Testament, it says, when you come to me, when you pray to me, when you seek me, you will find me. Mm-hmm. When you call upon me, I will answer you. And so to just know that God is the initiator of the relationship. He made us in his image and likeness. Yeah. He built us for relationship because he's a trinity of persons and we're made in that image. So we're made for love and relationship and intimacy with him. Mm-hmm. And so if I think about my relationship with Jake, you know, when I pick up the phone and he says, hi, Heather, I don't go, who is this? You know, I know who it is because we talk all the time. And so just as a relationship builds, that's one way to understand the voice of God is just through spending time in the quiet. And I think through reading his word in scripture, I don't think we go there enough often, especially as Catholics, like to get into God's word. This is his word. These are the things that he wanted to say to us, wanted us to know. It is the answer for everything. As Jake said earlier, Jesus explains our life. You know, Mother Teresa said, that. And so to look to the scriptures, and sometimes we can get lost and go, I don't understand this. So it's a simple for me. I mean, to be honest with you, I've even Googled it sometimes, like scriptures about hope, if that's what I'm needing. Like, God, I need need to know what you have to say about hope, the things that are relevant in my life. And then to understand the person of God, as we spend time with him, we understand his personality. Jake referred earlier to like many instances we have in our world of experiencing people who don't come through, who fail us, parents who might have mm-hmm. been angry with us. And often we look at God through that lens of our human experience and assume that that's how he must think of me or that's how he wants to communicate with me. But that's not who God is. Yeah. God is everything that is good and true and beautiful. He is love. He isn't just loving. He is love itself. He can't contradict those things. So we have a father who is good, who wants to pour out blessing and life and truth and goodness and beauty. And so if we're hearing a voice that doesn't sound like that, That is not God's voice. That's either our voice Mm -hmm. that we may have put onto God, or it could be the enemy's voice, as you Mm -hmm. said. You know, Mm -hmm. so those are some of the basic discernment things. Is what I'm hearing good, true, and beautiful? Would a good father say this? A loving father say this to me? There's two things that come to mind for me about that that are just very simple and practical. The first one's trust. Do I think well enough of Jesus to trust him? Yeah. Because if I don't actually think well enough of him to trust him, my heart will turn off his voice. I'll turn off his frequency because I'm worried about what he might say to me. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes what's coming up inside as we seek to hear God's voice is distrust, which is in a way him speaking. He's kind of pointing out what's in the way from clear communication. And so you can ask the question of when I turn to the Lord to ask him something, and I have this maybe distrust that arises in my heart, who or what does that remind me of? Oh, Because then you might in your mind go, oh gosh, this reminds me of my teacher in grade three. Every time I raised my hand, she would yell at me. And so then you pause and say, I don't think I want to raise my hand to Jesus because I don't know how he'll respond. Is he going to be like Miss Smith who did it? That's a dynamic that's that's in the way of hearing the relationship with God. So do I think well enough Jesus to trust him? If I don't, there's likely things in there where I'm looking at him, like Heather said, through a lens that distorts his image. My glasses, my spiritual glasses don't have the right prescription. Another thing is I'm a big fan of Father Timothy Gallagher and yeah. the discernment of spirits. Yeah. So if you want really time-tested ways to know who's talking, learn the rules of discernment by yeah. St. Ignatius. That's very good. They are gold. And they're some of the most practical things. Like mm-hmm. – uh, is is the voice biting? Is it uh, negative? Does it cause distress? Does it? And it lists all these examples, yeah. and then yeah. it goes, "Well, that's clearly not God." And what's nice is you kind of want to go, "I don't know if I can trust myself that I'll discern this well, but I'll trust Ignatius. Yeah, I'll anyway. trust the thousands of years <laughs> yeah, that people. Right. Okay, I'll lean on him. I'll stand on his shoulders yeah. to be able. That's been a huge one for me. Are the rules of discernment? You know, this this raises the question, too, of the role of the imagination mm-hmm. in, in the spiritual life. A lot of people, um, <clears throat> uh, in Catholic circles, this uh, it may not be uh, as big an issue because we do have the example of Ignatian spirituality. Right. But I remember before uh, coming into full communion with the Catholic Church, uh, the, 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 the tradition that I was a part of was incredibly suspicious. Mm-hmm. Of the imagination, I mean, it, it, that extended actually even into the arts. They were suspicious of the arts, okay. 
but definitely suspicious of the imagination when it came to um, communion with God. Mm. And and it, thankfully, through some very good teachers, I came to the point where I said, wait a minute, that's a faculty that I'm wired for. And obviously, mm-hmm. everything can be brought under the lordship of Christ. So yes. what is, how, how does God use your yes. imagination in communicating with you? And uh, then, again, becoming Catholic uh, and realizing that there's this really a long-standing, uh, the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius, which focus on uh, the sermon of spirits mm. and the role of imagination. That's, that's I think, really powerful stuff. And, and um, uh, Father Gallagher has yeah. been on the program here. I haven't talked to him for quite a while. Yeah. But, I, my, again, my wife Sally really loves him. Yeah. He's, yeah. There, uh, there's numerous things that with regard to the human person that people are skeptical of. Like part of our mission that we feel like is human is not a bad word. <laughs> but we use it as a bad word all the time. Like I'm only human. Yeah. And, I mean, can you imagine if the ant could think? And it would look up and go, are you kidding? I would die to be human, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm just a yeah. little ant and you crush me and I don't have anything, right? But human's not a bad word. It becomes bad when we distance and separate ourselves from the Lord. That's when it becomes problematic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So imagination can be super dangerous. But imagination consecrated and in union with God, that's how you get – like go to Rome, and when you look around and are flabbergasted at the beauty that came out of a human human beings, yeah, yeah. it came out of their imagination. But also look at the horrible things going on in the world at the same time. That also yep. came out of imagination. So consecrated or unconsecrated imagination, that's a powerful thing. But in God, man, watch out. It's really wonderful. Yeah. Uh, you have two, three children? We have three. Three children. Yeah. 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 Um, that's, I think, one of those painful, when, when I go out and speak and take questions afterwards, uh, so most mm-hmm. painful times are when I hear from parents mm-hmm. whose children have are alienated from the faith yeah. for one of, any one of a number of reasons. Uh, let's talk about that. How are mm-hmm. you passing along the faith to your children? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of the most important things for us was to introduce Jesus as a real person because he is one. Yeah. He's a real person with a face and a body and a heart and a, he has a voice, you know, all of those things. And so to introduce Jesus as the real person mm-hmm. who wants to know them and be in relationship with them. Uh, I mean, all of our kids are different. We have an artist. We have one that's quite intellectual. We, mm-hmm. You know, and all our yeah. kids have different personalities. So to speak to them in the way that they can understand God. So for our artists, I would always point out, like, look at the sky. Look at what God just made. Like, look at the beauty of the mountains. Like, look at what he's he's painting for us, you know. Yeah today, whatever it mm-hmm. might be, to allow them to come to know Jesus. That's in easy in way. Vancouver. Might yeah, be hard elsewhere. <laughs> that's so anyway, true. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so I think that's one of the things. And, and then for us, like one of the major things is for us to, as parents to say, what are the messages that we want our kids to know? To be yeah. very intentional and specific about that. That's something that Jake started when our kids were just babies, is that he used to tell them little secrets and whisper in their ear about how good they are, how wonderful, how much you yeah. love them. It's really imparting the secrets of God, yeah. you know, to, to our kids that, that they are worthy of love and that they will be loved, you know, for their entire life. And so I think for us as parents, being intentional about our messages and when we've gotten it wrong, which we do yeah. all the yeah. time, we yeah. love our kids desperately, but we get it wrong, yeah. that we can reconcile and go back. There's some messages yes. that I think our kids have picked up out of our brokenness that yes. maybe they have to get it right all the time or, you know, be perfect yeah. or whatever it might be. And so we've we've gone back and said, you know, you might have picked up this message and I just want you to know that that we love you like yeah. the way that you are yeah, and yeah. Um, and we accept yeah. you for who you are. So. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, I think, very important to mm-hmm. be, there are times when you have to ask forgiveness, yeah. Yeah. you know, of your child and, yeah. uh, because you were not the parent you uh, should have been. Yes. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah, in the catechism it talks about how parents and caregivers are the first representatives of God to man. And so for our children, that's that we're going to be the first yes. representatives. And I think, oh, shoot, like I'm going to get this really wrong sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then it goes on to say, but no one is father like God is father. So yeah. I've really begged God to come in and fill in the gaps of all the places that Jake and I have failed as parents mm-hmm. and to father our children because he truly is the one that they desire. We're just the image 
you know, yeah, yeah. Of, of what they truly desire. I, I often like to say to parents, I work a lot with men and work with dads, and, and I think the father in a home is one of the, I would argue, an, an incredibly important person. The statistics say if dad's involved in the faith, the kids will be involved in the faith. Yeah. Yeah, there was this, there was this uh, survey from uh, years ago. Southern Baptist did it. Yes. It came up with extraordinary numbers. Yes. Here the about, correlation there yeah. is off the charts. Yeah. And so I often say to men, it's your job to live an inspiring life. You need to live a life where your children look at you and go, I'm proud of my dad. Now, people can hear that and go, oh, I have to go be James Bond. And uh, no, that, that's, that, that's a Hollywood interpretation <laughs> right, of what it means right. to be inspiring. You could literally be a janitor at the elementary school, but you can do that with character and dignity and inspiration. And so if you live an inspiring life, kids follow. They pay attention. So we'll hold it there. We'll take a break and come back, continue conversation with Jake and Heather Kim. They are founders of Life Restoration Ministries. Stay with us. Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. With me, Jake and Heather Kim, founders of Life Restoration Ministries. Uh, let's talk about healing. Hmm. You know, I, I know you work with Bob. Uh, Bob Schutz, yeah. and um, and I've always really greatly appreciated uh, the work that he does. Yeah, good man. Um, when you bring up you bring up healing, and mm. people say God will provide healing, people's imagination quickly run to things they've seen on television yes. where there are these uh, flamboyant uh, slam dunk uh, kind of faith healer sorts that mm. um, are dramatic and people jump out of wheelchairs and stuff like this. Yep. What do you mean by healing? Hmm. I think we were just talking about this last night. Um, there, I, I would contend that one of the best definitions of healing that I've ever heard um, came from Pope Benedict. And he said that healing is essentially, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to misquote it, it's from Jesus of Nazareth, his book, but it, it basically says the heartbeat of the gospel is healing. Yeah. Now, you can misinterpret that pretty badly and go, is Jesus saying that everybody is supposed to hop out of wheelchairs? Right. And the answer to that would be, at some point, yes. The problem I think a lot of people struggle with is, oh, I, I prayed the prayer. I did the thing. I, I, I read the, the magic phrase and nothing happened. It must yeah. have failed. Healing doesn't occur. I think an appropriate definition of healing would be the transformation of the human person by the grace of God. We experience transformation by the grace of God, and that happens through various means and forms. And so some people might go, oh, Jake, you're, you are a counselor. You work in the psychological world. So healing means when a memory is bad and Jesus comes in and it gets better. And I would say yes. But that's not that's a narrow definition of healing. Mm -hmm. Healing is when we become who we were always intended to be by the grace of right. God. Right. That occurs through many shapes and forms. It could occur through a great conversation. It can occur through seeing a professional. It can occur through a time of prayer, going on a retreat. I would say the most potent healing agents on the face of the earth, there are seven of them, and they're called sacraments. Those are the most potent healing agents that you can ever encounter. But a lot of people don't know how to go to a sacrament and to actually kind of leverage the grace that's there, if that phrase makes sense. So mm -hmm. most of the time when people talk about healing, they're referencing something bad that happened in my life that now affects my ability to love or whatever, and they're right. Uh, a lot of people, the traditional way to call that would be a vice. I'm uncharitable. Mm. I'm selfish. But where did that come from, and how do we address that? that that's the stuff of healing. It's, it's essentially saint-making is healing. It, those are synonymous. So it's not meant to be this separated idea or concept. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, really, uh, the whole life of the disciple is a life always in motion towards increased healing. Amen. Yeah. 
Amen. Yeah, and becoming all that we were created to be, to be in eternal union. That's right. God. Oh, go ahead. And I was going to say, you know, like often we look at healing as the goal, that that's the end goal is like, you know, I just want to experience relief from mm. whatever yeah. pain or suffering yeah. I'm going yeah. through. But the goal is intimacy with Jesus. That yes. That's really the goal. So any healing that occurs is like us learning to come into who God created us to be. When we experience a wound, say in the past, there's either sin can come out of that or we cope. So we learn mm-hmm. mechanisms to try to like manage the pain and the trauma that we've gone through. And those parts become disintegrated within mm-hmm. us. That's not who God intended us to be, is someone who's white knuckling it through life, just right. trying to cope right. with the pain that we've all yeah. experienced. But I think for most of us, that's what we're doing. It's yeah, like yeah. we're we're trying our best. And I, and I say that compassionately because it's hard. Life yeah. is hard. Yeah. And many of us have been through really, really difficult things that we never should have had to endure. Yeah. Or there was things that we needed that didn't happen, that we should have we should have had growing up. And so I say that with compassion because we're doing our best to figure out how to manage it and get through life. But Jesus said very clearly in John 10, 10, I came that you would have life and right. have it to the full, yeah. not mediocre, not white knuckling it, not yeah. halfway, but to the full. And and that's where I think we can have the hope that healing is about coming into that fullness of life. Yeah. I, I know in my experience, the, the I discovered a, lo- a long time ago and still have to f- fight with it. Um, it it's, I want to do something right now. Hmm. I think I want to, you know, I, I, I know something needs to be done hmm. and I just want to go do it. When what I have to do, and this is, this, this doesn't come easy to me because of just temperament, I think. Uh, I've got to stop. And, and say, no, you know, that God wants that done. It's going to get done. And now you've got to find out what is God's way of hmm. doing it and mm-hmm. getting it right. And um, I, I do think that that's for a lot of, I would imagine for a lot of people, uh, they know what ought to be done and they think they know how to do it. Yeah. So they don't. They don't sit, pray, and mm-hmm. listen, mm-hmm. and to see. I mean, Jesus says he does what he sees the Father doing. Amen. You know, what I'm saying even with Jesus, he's looking uh, for direction for how to get things done. And Jesus knew better than anybody what needed to be done with this world. I mean, he's here to redeem it. Yes. And yet he's watching and seeing what the Father is doing. And for me, that's very that's. It's become it's become easier as I've gotten older. Hmm. I think part of that is experience, and part of it might be just slowing down. Mm-hmm. But I think that's very hard for for people. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I mean, you wake up in the morning, and I think, you know, I think of uh, we we raised five kids, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and every morning you get up and you've got. Uh, meals, you've got uh, uh, banking, you've got uh, mm-hmm. house cleaning, you've got education for the mm-hmm. kids. It mm-hmm. is a, it's constant. Mm-hmm. And so mothers have to uh, almost establish a certain kind of uh, rule of life mm-hmm. it, it, or they're going to have a tough time um, walking yeah. uh, in the spirit because yeah. uh, there, there's so much that pulls us, yes. pulls at us to get done now. Yeah. And it, exactly. And for me, the big trick to this, you might say, was I had to be willing to say, what happens if I fail at this? Mm-hmm. What, ha- what happens if I'm waiting here and something goes wrong mm-hmm. and I, di- I didn't catch the ball when it was thrown? Yeah. It went right past me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I had to say... Well, that's just the way it's going to be then. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Perspective yes. matters. That's, God's, that's, God, that's, I'm starting to serve God here, so yes. uh, he'll, he'll pick it up. You are talking about something that I, I'm fascinated with right now. And yeah. so maybe I can put some language yeah, to what go, you're describing. Please, please. It, there's a concept called a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. Yeah. And what you're describing, a fixed mindset is I have got one shot. And I better not mess up that shot because <laughs> right. if I do, I'll never get another shot. And the scoreboard is zero and the opponent is 30 and I've lost. Right. And a lot of us look at the spiritual life like that. 
I've got one shot. And if God doesn't do it, I, I'm in trouble. But a growth mindset is when I'm turning toward God and I'm trying to respond to his grace, you're growing instead of failing. And, and what I try to say to people, there's a very big difference between a mistake and a sin. Yeah. yeah. A sin is an I, I know it's wrong and I'm doing it. I don't care. Forget you, God. A mistake is yeah. I'm trying to love my kids. That didn't go very well. Yeah. But God, help me. That's not a failure. The yeah. failure is when you go, this is useless. I'm leaving. I, I can't do it right. I'm going I'm to drop the ball again. Yeah. The point is, if you have a growth mindset, every failure is not actually that, – that word starts to leave your vocabulary because you go, in God, all things can be redeemed. Right. I need to address the fault, yeah. Yeah. but I'm learning how to love well. Now, imagine that that was the whole approach to discipleship. You said earlier, like you were describing earlier what I would call the life of a disciple. And so the phrase that came to my mind was healing happens in discipleship. And what a disciple is, is the literal word is translated as student. Yeah, that's right. So there's a teacher. Yeah, yeah. He knows the way. I don't. I'm going to sit at your feet. Show me the way. And that's exactly what discipleship is. And we see the apostles messing up. All the time, like <laughs> oh, they're they're a bunch of ragtag doofuses, yeah, and yeah. and the cool part is, so am I. Yeah, I am a complete moron a mm-hmm. lot of the time. But in a growth mindset where Jesus says that's welcome, you can't stay there. But we're going to grow into who you were meant to be. Now mistakes are I can work with this instead of I'm doomed to fail. I'm giving up. It's done. This is useless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think Very that, that yeah. perspective even of knowing where we are in the grand scheme, that our life just isn't the tasks that we have to accomplish that day or taking care of the kids or going yeah. to school or whatever it might be. But but heaven is our goal. We have come from somewhere. We've been made in the image and likeness of God, and we are going somewhere. Mm. Yeah. And that God is right in the middle with us. Jesus is right in this moment with us and wants to engage with us in the very simple moments of our day, that we have someone to look to, that we have someone to ask mm. for direction from. Uh, who wants to be intimately involved in our life. Yeah. Let me ask you this question. People have terrible things happen to them. Um, I have had two incidents. Uh, one was hospitalization for depression back in 82, mm-hmm. 82 85 area. It was off and on. The other one was necrotizing fasciitis, losing my leg. Mm-hmm. I had the great blessing of actually seeing uh, God's hand wow. bring uh, gold out of suffering in the first instance. Wow. In the second instance, I actually had the awareness that God was doing something as uh, two nights before uh, I was taken into the hospital, I told a friend of mine, I think, mm-hmm. I said, I think God's have to, there's some, I'm going to have to go through some suffering here because there's a spiritual log jam in my life. Wow. And I think it's going to take some kind of really wow. blow it out. Right. And I was hospitalized two nights later. So I, I had the grace of knowing I'm, I'm still in God's hands here. Yes. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting about it, the first, uh, again, real difficult uh, time, uh, the, the fruit of that is, has been clearly seen. It, it really makes sense. The second one, even though I had the assurance that God was working my life, the fruit of it's not nearly as evident to mm-hmm. me. And mm-hmm. how, how long should people... Mm-hmm strive to try to figure out what was the purpose of this suffering for me? Wow. That is a hard question. You're, you're asking, I think, what Bishop uh, Robert Barron says is the most difficult thing to address for every Christian, which yeah. is suffering. Yeah. And the classic arguments of if God's a good God, how does all of this work out, et cetera, et cetera. And it's, so it's not an easy question. Uh, and I think the first thing I want to say to people is there's no simple answer to this because if it, if you try to offer one, it feels so dismissive to the experience of the person. Like imagine, Al, I was like, oh, well, blah, 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 and I gave you some cheesy answer for your let. You'd be like, "That's you're a jerk, and why did you give me such a bad answer? Like, there's just no simple way. So I, I just want to honor mm-hmm. everybody's suffering that is out there that this is no small potatoes. This, this, it really matters. And it's with that starting point that maybe we can start to press into yeah. like what is going on. And it's a bit of a theological debate. And I would say there's going to be people better than Heather and I who could articulate the theological arguments, but from a pastoral perspective. Mm-hmm. So just we'll, we'll take a pastoral sure. approach. I think you had an amazing 
insight with the first one and that I imagine that you felt that as a great grace. Where oh, absolutely. Yeah. Maybe can you talk about why was that a grace? How? Well, d- d- during that experience yes. of depression, it was uh, for, for the, it seemed as if God was entirely absent. Wow. All the color of the universe had been drained yes. out. Wow. It was mm-hmm. just struggle for survival. Yeah. And, um, and then there, there was a moment along the way where I realized that um, there was nothing illegi- there was nothing humanly illegitimate yes. about faith and hope, huh. even though it can't be measured, can't be you know, uh, you, you can't bring it under your control. But we're wired for faith. And we're wired for hope. That's yeah. how we survive. Yes. So even if it's all a matter of survival, uh, people have to have faith or they don't survive. They have to have hope or they don't survive. The question always is, is what's the object of your faith? Wow. So, oh, good heavens, the music's coming up on us mm-hmm. here. Um, let's I'll tell you what. Let's uh, hang on to this and we'll... We'll bring this over into the next hour, okay? And we'll we'll keep going on it. We rarely do that, but this is good. This is good, good stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, awesome. Thanks. Thank you. I'm with uh, Jake and Heather Kim, taking a look at the work they're doing at Life Restoration Ministries. Some more on the other side of the news hour. Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresto. Continuing my conversation with Jake and Heather Kim founders of Life Restoration Ministries, as we closed off the last segment, we were talking about the experience I had back in 19, between 1982 and 1985 of depression, hospitalized for it, mm-hmm. how the universe had been bleached of all meaning. And at some point along the way, the, the turning point came when I realized that faith and hope are necessary for human thriving. And prior to that, I had always been suspicious Mm. of any psychological compensations a person gets from, quote, religious belief. Mm. Because I was saying, well, look, you have to believe because it's true. Uh And my definition of true was pretty narrow. Mm -hmm. It had to be somehow empirically uh, verifiable or it had to be logically uh, inescapable. And when I realized that, wait a minute, that kind of thinking has almost killed me here. Hmm. Uh, that certainly doesn't make any sense at all. Hmm. So the fact that faith is necessary, hope is necessary, the real question is, what is who's the object of your faith? Yeah. And for me, as a Christian, I was a very active Christian at the time, that was one of the reasons that that began the walk back. And Later, when I got to the end, that I spun my wheels there for probably a year. Hmm. Uh, eventually, uh, I was down at the Abbey Gethsemane in Bardstown, Kentucky, hmm. and the words of Jesus, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, hit me in a way that never struck me before. And I realized, wait a minute, the Christian story does have a place for this experience uh-huh. of the apparent absence of God. It's the uh-huh. Son of God. Right. So for me, that was that was like, whew. Fireworks, and, yeah. and shortly after that, I, I got a call to pastor a church. Wow. Then I got called to do some radio work, and so wow. that that was incredible. And I couldn't have I couldn't have done pastoral work without that experience of being broken down because I was a real hard ass, as they say yeah. before that. <laughs> yeah, so not not fit for pastoral duty. <laughs> I think you might have and indirectly answered one of the most difficult questions, and I feel like it's one of the best ways to answer it is through real story. You and you correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. You had life going along yeah. and it was okay. And then this depression monster comes out of what probably felt like nowhere. Right. And it literally sucked the life out of you. Yep. And you go into these really dark places and then you talk about an encounter with God. And that encounter with God then launched you into a whole other dimension of life, a whole other season of life. Yep. Now this this is probably going to sound hard to hear, but I you tell me, do you think you would have had the same level of intimacy with God that you had after this horrible season? If you had never experienced that, what would the relationship be like? Uh, it, it, 
there's absolutely no doubt that through this, through that experience, my relationship to God and others yes. reached a level, a much deeper level. That that's what I'm saying. That's on him. This is one of those where the suffering has. There's an unambiguous. Uh, Fruit and benefit yes. from it, mm-hmm. you yes. know. I, and I, I, you always wish you can point to other, tell other yeah. people, uh, you're going to have the same kind of clarity. So yes. I had great moral clarity on this, and I could not have, I can't imagine what my life would have been without it. Now that, that yeah. I think is a beautiful point, and this sounds weird, and I just want to caveat it with this: we're talking about things that start to go beyond the comprehension that I think we can have, and requires. We have to double down on faith, which is God can draw us closer through suffering. Yeah, That sounds crazy. It even sounds cruel. Yeah. And this is where the mind and heart of God are so far beyond. And yet your story is a living example. Yeah. Now, here's the real dilemma is you have now a second story yeah. that doesn't have the same it, conclusion at this point. Yeah, it's a different uh, – it's it's uh, different. And, right. and, and, and it's not as – I can come. I can fill in the blanks uh, and get some satisfaction, but it's not nearly as clear. And I'm kind of still praying. I'm still, I'm still staying open. I'm getting older, and I'm saying maybe I'm not going to know. Yes, uh, Yes. until I'm face to face uh, with Christ. But I, uh, I still stay. I still try to say, okay, Lord, you know, I'm not quite certain. I know for one thing that after. Um, I mean, this sounds kind of crazy, uh, and I, and I, it's, it's, it would be subject to great misunderstanding. But I'll, I'll say it because I trust everybody's goodwill <laughs> who's listening. Yes. You know, we have that statement from Jesus that if your um, eye offends, pluck it out. Yes. Your hand yes. Um, offends, cut it off. Well, my case, my leg <laughs> cut off. I'm less. Uh, oh. And I I can't ambulate like I used to, and that's also related to the word for ambition. And so, there's something about that experience which the Lord was saying to me: uh, stop running around, stop running around with what you're doing here. Stay focused. And it's interesting that that happened the the very year that Ave Maria Radio had to become financially uh, self sufficient. Wow. So it forced me to sit still. Can't go run around doing speaking engagements. Can't wow. write, you know that kind of. Right. So that makes sense. That makes sense to me. Makes sense to it me. Makes sense to me. S- yeah. Still doesn't give me the full. Uh, I, I, you come back and you say, "Okay, Lord, I get the logic of it, but wasn't there um, wasn't there a less painful way to do <laughs> to yeah, do this? For sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So is it possible, Al, that this just popped in my mind. You tell me if this resonates or not. That you believed your lovability came from how productive you are and were. And the Lord slowed you down, possibly to say, I love you all the same. Is that? It, it, let, me, let me say that it would make, given the, the way I was raised, okay. this this makes some some sense. Okay. Um, uh, the, but there's 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 no uh, emotional catharsis mm-hmm. of that sort that yes. accompanies it. Yes. But but you know, uh, I re- I ran away from home many times just to get away wow. from my house because I wow. wanted to be off on my own. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Working on my own. So, uh, and I go, I look back at that. It's so long ago. Right. But. Uh, I think there was a drivenness, you know, mm-hmm. about me, which mm-hmm. is not the same as being called. Mm-hmm. And I think much of my that's, adult life has to do with distinguishing, am I called or am I driven? Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 And I think, you know, many of these things are, are a mystery. Like you're saying, you know, yeah. like you may never know. And there's things in my own story mm-hmm. I think I may never know yeah. uh, till the end when, when God reveals all things. Yeah. And But what it does stir up in me is the question of, do we trust him? Yeah. Even if we don't mm-hmm. understand, even if we don't know the meaning or the answer, do we trust him that he's good? And when I look at the story of Thomas and I see his doubt, and you're talking about the, the gift of faith, you yeah. know, and Jesus allows 
allows him to have this personal experience of encounter with him in the places where he's doubting. And I think Jesus like, will you come to me in my doubt in the places that I can't see, that there's a fog, that I don't know where you are? Mm-hmm. And will you bring your presence there to meet me there? Because that image of, of Thomas like putting his hand into the side of Christ where wounds are, has, Jesus actually has flipped that on its head for me to where he is putting his hand into my wounds. Ooh. And and. And the difference is that his hand doesn't come with doubt and fear. His hand comes with healing and power and love and acceptance and mercy. And that's the hand that I want to touch all of those places that are unresolved in me and unresolved in my story. And and for most of us, we're not going to know. You know, does God, did God make it happen? Does he allow it to happen? Mm -hmm. All I know is that God is good, that he would never cause harm. He's a God of life. He's not a God of death. We put a lot of things on God and that's easy to do because we don't understand and we we have human capabilities, but this is where the gift of faith comes in. And I pray for it all the time. God, Mm -hmm. give me the gift of faith that I would trust you also and have faith in who you really are, that you are a God who desires my good and that you can bring good out of all things, the messiest parts of my story because that is the gospel. When he was crucified, it is now the most glorious sign of love. Messy is a good word. Yeah, it's messy. (laughs) That's the idea. It sure is. And and the biblical story is messy. Yes. Take a look at at, from from Abraham on, you can see the zigging and zagging, and, you know, you want to say, Lord, for heaven's sake, uh, couldn't this have been like neater, uh, yeah. you got the exile for yeah. heaven. These yeah. are your people. Yeah, Wasn't on. that their land? What? Right. So, and then you get to uh, Tom, and Thomas is to me. I, I like I like the way you flip that too. Mm. I hadn't thought of that before. Um, but but I mean, think about that. Thomas has been with Jesus for know, three years, yep. Yep. and and he's been with his his disciples is, is the other apostles there yep. and i assume they have decent relationships between them and yet he can't buy their story that mm-hmm. jesus is alive right yeah and i he's still going to insist he's got to yeah. see it himself that's right and jesus actually jesus honors that which i think is one of the most amazing uh, parts of it mm-hmm. um but messy is is uh, an important word because yeah. i think everybody uh, yeah. feels that way from time to time. Jesus, like the, to, to weave this into Lazarus, um, a lot of, if we, if we equate messy with smell, now we're in the Lazarus scene. Yeah. And Jesus says, roll away the stone. And they say, no, it will reek. It will be awful. And the, the key here is Jesus isn't afraid of the mess. He is not afraid of the smell. He presses into it. And, and the timing of it is what's hard for us. We love drive-through relationship mm-hmm. where we go up to the window of the gospel and say, I'll have a supersized happiness and you can give me an extra frosty of goodwill and blah, 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 blah. And then we go up and we hope to give our rosaries and we get back salvation. That is, uh, that is not relationship. Right. That's, that's, that's consumerism. Mm-hmm. It's utilitarian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the, re- the relationship that God is inviting us to is one where it's long meals of love, long standing, <laughs> long relationships. Like a, there's maybe the Italians have something figured out when they linger yeah. at a meal as opposed to I have a bad habit of eat and get the heck out of here. Mm-hmm. Jesus isn't afraid of messy. He's not afraid of smelly. And he presses into those things, primarily, like Heather, you said, for intimacy. Yeah. Do we trust him? That's what it comes down to. Do we trust him? He can come in a flash, and he can work a miracle in a moment. And I've seen that. You know, my dad was miraculously healed of of cancer, and he had two months left to live. Wow. And he prayed, and it happened right in his bed, you know, in, in the hospital. And he was, I mean, all the tumors were gone that they saw and then I look at other stories in his life and my life where it's just it's a long suffering yeah. but yeah. is God are we willing to invite God there yeah. to stay there with us in the middle of the mess well thank you so much thank wonderful you. talking thank you. thank you of you and uh, I hope we'll continue our conversation in the future You're great. Yes. All right. thank you. thanks so much again uh, Jake and Heather Kim uh, you can uh, get more at liferestoration.ce we'll have a link at our site as well I'm Al Cresto. <laughs>